Hey guys, it's John Deloney, co-host of The Ramsey Show. We hope you had the best Christmas ever, and now you've got some downtime to unwind, get organized, and catch up on your favorite podcast before the new year. For this week's episodes, we wanted to try something a little different. So, we've taken the most popular segments in Ramsey Show history and created a limited series just for this week called The Best of the Ramsey Show. That means you'll hear some of our wildest, most inspirational, and possibly weirdest calls ever. In this episode, we're going to dive into saving for a house, checking your insurance coverage, how much house you can actually afford, and more. These are some of my favorite moments for the show, and we think you're going to love it too. Enjoy. Let's start with Maria this hour in Chicago. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Very excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, my question my question is this. It's going to be, uh, well, I guess I'll ask the question first, and then I'll give you the background. Okay. Is it financial, is it finan- just financially speaking, not, not regarding how I feel about homeownership, just financially speaking? I'm 58 years old. I, 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 I have no debt. I have fully funded emergency fund. I have fully funded retirement, both Roth and 401k. How much? I own my, how much is in it? There's yeah. about a million in it. Okay. Cool. Um, Good for you. And well I, done. Between the, between the both. I raised my four kids. They're all out of college. Um, I'm single and I, my home, home's worth about 350 and I paid it off. It's, it's paid off. Okay. Taxes are really high. Taxes are really high in Illinois. About I heard a thousand the rumor. A month for taxes. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, so I, I think I want to downsize because I don't need my house anymore. Cool. And I'm not, I, I, so I would go to like a townhouse. Okay. So just financially, just financially speaking, it would it be a really bad idea for the next thirty years for me just to rent? And the reason why I ask that is because in my heart, I've had so much responsibility in my whole life, raising my four kids, keeping up with my house. I wouldn't mind just writing a check every month and just be done. And uh, but everybody's telling me, like financially speaking, you could sell your house for three fifty, mm-hmm. go buy something for three fifty or less. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but then I got, you know, then I got to worry about the house again, the windows, the roofs, the gutters, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. all that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, <laughs> that question makes uh, sense. No, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I understand. <laughs> okay. So, uh, did you raise your kids by yourself? You single mom. For the most part, I mean, I was divorced when they were very, very young. He was, he was. So for twenty years, active, for twenty years, you've been a she, she bear out here fighting, <laughs> scratching, <Yeah>. clawing, <laughs> and you've cleaned the gutters. You've done whatever it took, and you're just tired. Yes, I work overtime every month at work. Just yeah, to make sure I was. Yeah, I thought you were I that girl. My house in time. I thought you were that girl. You sound like that girl. <laughs> you sound like a warrior, a warrior princess. Um. So, uh. Well, let's first answer your question, and then let's try to look for a solution, okay? The okay. problem with your the, – the good part about your theory is you don't have to screw with stuff because the landlord does. So you get all this stuff out of your life. The bad part about this is think about what rents have done in the last 30 years. Gone up. Gone up. You think? Yeah. And think <laughs> about what they're going to do during the 30 years that we're talking. So if you rent instead of owning a paid-for property going into retirement, you're destabilizing your life because every year your housing cost is going to go up. True. So that's why it's a bad plan. It's not a bad plan to rent for a short period of time while you're rearranging things or you're in a transitionary stage or something like that. But renting for 30 years means you are a victim of the real estate market instead of riding the wave. 
Can I throw something else at you? Yep. Okay, so I put down on paper, because this has been, my God, stressing me out. So I put down on paper my taxes versus all my bills in my house. Oh, I think you need to move. I think you need to move. Okay, but like I, I even projected cost if I was in a townhouse. Yeah, uh, here's what I, here's what I want you to. Here's what I would do if you were my little sister okay. and you're old enough to be my little sister. Okay. Oh, um, not my, not your older sister. <laughs> no, I'm sixty, so I'm, I got you beat. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the uh, uh, but so, so uh, I would tell you, you don't want to work on crap, and you don't want crap breaking, and you are a millionaire. So you need to go a buy a brand new condominium where someone does all the exterior maintenance and every appliance and everything inside is brand freaking new. You earned it. You're a rock star, and you need to enjoy a little bit of this money. And it's like buying a, a really nice car that's in really good shape after you've been driving a freaking beater, and it breaks down all the time. And, you know, my cars don't break down now. Back when I had crap cars because I was trying to get here, they broke down all the time. But you're you're a warrior girl, and you need to you need to enjoy the spoils of the battles that you have won, and that's a million dollars in a three hundred fifty thousand dollars paid for house. You're worth a million and a half dollars. I want you to sell this house. I want you to buy a three hundred fifty thousand dollar condo. You may want to move uh, to an area that is that probably might feel a little bit oh like it's a little too richy rich for you, but you need to live there anyway. Wow. Okay, I'll think about this. Thank you. Very good information. What Thank do you think, you. John? Yeah, I think that transition when you, it's when you're a single mom, when you're raising kids, and you're putting them through college, and you're saving, and you're working, and you're doing overtime, it's kind of like being gazelle intense for yeah. twenty, thirty years, yeah. and suddenly your uh, your identity is I'm a sprinter, I'm a fighter. That's what I do. Yeah. And how do you settle back down? You could hear it like. Man, for someone who's accomplished what she's accomplished, the fact that this decision's keeping her up means it's not about this decision. Mm-hmm. It's about I've got to shift gears and become something else, right? Yeah. That's a big, big transition. Yeah. What do you do when you come home from a 20-year campaign on the road Oof. with Alexander the Great and you're one of his soldiers after 20 years? How do you stop fighting? And, and scratching. You will pick fights clawing. with your neighbors, with your you dog, know, How do you with stop everybody? it? You know, and so, you know, and that's what she is. She's a warrior princess. That's right. And so, you know, she's been, these single moms, man, they, they get her done. These are some <laughs> of the toughest people in uh, on our planet. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that, that that's, uh, uh, and that's who she is. And, and she's like, I, I you know, she's kind of telling herself good things. Like, I deserve a rest. That's right. And, and, and Dave, we talk a lot about people making decisions out of stress or out of, um, anxiousness, that's very similar to making s- decisions out of exhaustion. I'm just, mm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm out, right? I just want to, I, mm-hmm. I know the math is bad. I know it's going to destabilize me 20 years from now. I'm exhausted. I, I don't want to fix I'm, anything I'm exhausted, else. I don't want right? to talk to any more freaking repairmen. I've talked to people who get divorced because I'm just tired of it, yeah. right? So I love your, I love your idea of, man, right now it feels good. It's not going to be good down the road. No, it's a bad long-term plan. Yeah. Debbie is with us in Detroit. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's um, up? My husband and I made a huge mistake. <laughs> we moved into a houseboat uh, two months ago, and with the housing market being so crazy and lots of competition for homes, we made a mistake of buying a house for more than we wanted to spend. Um, we paid over list and appraisal. 
and we're now in a house that um, we just feel like we can't afford the mortgage payment. Um, it also has a pool that is much more of an expense than we thought it would be. The house um, needs a lot of repairs and some things have come up in the last couple of months that we didn't realize were going to need to be repaired right away. Um, so my question is, should we plan on selling it or stay for at least two years um, and then not have to worry about capital gains? But if we sell it now, um, we would probably walk away with, you know, losing about 40 grand. There is no capital gain when you lose money. Right. But uh, on the odd chance if we were if you broke money, even, if you break even, there's no capital yeah. gain. The capital right. gain would only occur if you made a profit. Right. So it doesn't sound like that's a problem. Yeah. But if if we sold it for what we bought it, if we just broke even, we'd probably lose about forty grand with closing costs and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what's your house payment? Um, well, that's the other thing too. It's more than what we thought it would be with, um, the property taxes are going to be more than we had planned for. So with property taxes and insurance, it's about $2,300 a month. And what's your monthly take home pay in your household? Uh, About 9,000. Okay. Well, you're slightly above what we would tell you, but not a huge amount. Right. Um, doesn't sound like this. You, your, your house payment's not forty percent of your take-home pay. Um, this sounds more emotional than mathematical. Okay. We just we feel like we've been bleeding money ever since we moved into the house because of the pool and the repairs that have been needed. And now, what have you spent on repairs? Worried. I'm sorry. What have you spent on repairs? Um. Well, with the pool, it's been uh, over a thousand dollars. Um, with a repair, we just had a garage door repaired that was over 700. We need, uh, what'd you pay for the house? Um, we paid 410 for it. And you had $1,500 worth of repairs and you're panicking. Yeah. You make a hundred, you make $140,000 a year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. This is emotional. It doesn't sound like you're bleeding out. It feels like you got a little scrape on the knee, but it's just a lot. It sounds like it's more stress of just we're having a. I think do you a were super impulsive and you did something that you wished you hadn't done, and that's what's killing you. The math's not killing you. Okay. I mean, so it, we should. It's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I probably would just breathe a little bit here. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, I. I Okay, here, here's the thing. The house payment's not out of control. The repairs are not $28,000 in one month. They were 1400 in one month. And right. you make 140. There's nothing here that's causing red sirens to go off and fireworks and panic in the numbers. Okay, now I understand you have a deep sense of regret because you feel like you impulsed and overpaid. Uh, but so I don't want to trade a $1,400 repair and a house payment that's slightly over the margins we teach, which are conservative, for a $40,000 loss. Right. Well, the other thing that I'm worried about, too, is um, we moved with our jobs because now we can do our jobs from anywhere after COVID. And there is a chance that my salary could be decreased based on 
where we're living now. Well, if that happens so, like, and you can't afford the house, yeah. we can talk about selling it then. But we don't sell a house okay. on what might happen. The house might get hit by a tornado, too. <laughs> yeah. But we're not going to sell it because it might. Right. Debbie, do you guys have any other debt other than this mortgage? Mm. Uh, we do have a car payment. Um, we owe about twelve grand on a car. We only have one car. And then we, um, just from the move, we've got about 6000 on credit cards. So it sounds like there's some other pieces to this puzzle that are causing this stress. Do you have an emergency fund? Um, we have about 25000 in savings. Okay. Right now. I would write a check and pay off the credit card and cut it up and pay off the car today. Right. Okay. And you guys need to get on a budget. You are not in control with your spending. I saw some recent financial statistics and there was some pretty troubling news. When families were asked how long it would be before they faced financial hardship if a spouse died, nearly one third said they'd be in trouble immediately. Another 44% said they'd be financially drained within six months. People, it does not have to be this way. Term life insurance plans are just plain cheap, and companies have made it even easier by not requiring exams in many cases. There really is no excuse to leave your family in this situation by not having life insurance. This is why I talk about Xander Insurance every day. They're committed to protecting families with the only products that I recommend. And their team keeps the entire process simple and affordable. Go to Xander.com for quick online pricing or call 800-356-4282. This has to be a priority. If your family is in this situation, you need to get this done. Nabil is with us. Nabil is in Atlanta. Hi, Nabil. How are you? Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me on the show. Sure. What's up? So I'm a 23-year-old with about $85,000 saved. I've got about twenty-five k in my Roth IRA and 401k and about sixty k in investments in index funds, which with I'm looking to purchase my first home. Wow. Where'd you get uh, all that? I make about a hundred. <laughs> so uh, I work at a job. I've just been following your principles since I graduated college, and I've kind of every stimulus, every uh, piece of extra money that I've gotten, I've kind of just put away and tried to save. So not counting your um, Roth, you got like 145000 bucks. No, no, no. So it's a total of about eighty five. It's about sixty in the... Oh, the whole game fund. is that. Okay. Yes. I got you. Yes. Okay. Got it. Um, so basically, I make about 120000 uh, at a job that I relocated to about six months ago. And because I'm already traveling, I just moved back in with my parents. Uh, so I'm looking to buy a home, with which I would use as both a primary residence and also simultaneously rent part of it out to make up for the costs of me not being there because of my work travel. What do you do? Uh, it's now a good, so essentially I'm a project manager setting up new warehouses across the country. Man, you're killing it. Good job, dude. You're killing yeah, thank it. Thank you. Do you like the job? Um, do you so like traveling? I to, yeah, I do. I do. I'm only, uh, it, it kind of complicates the housing because I'm only in my home city for about four days a month. I'm kind of just, on the go in hotels. Uh, so that's why I'm trying to see whether now is kind of a good time for me to buy a townhouse or a small house in the two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollar range. I would for this purpose and how do I kind of find a I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. You're not there enough to manage it. Gotcha. Pops okay. freeze and bust um, the whole thing will melt before you get back. Okay. So how would you kind of recommend that someone like myself uh, in the coming years, say I were to stay in the shop, how would you recommend I pursue home ownership? I would later, 
But right now, I think you're being very wise to listen. Here's the thing: I owning a home, uh, crap breaks, whether you're there or not, and it's just it adds. You have a very simple, very clean, very efficient life, and I would let someone else manage the domicile rather than you having a, 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 let's say you had a roommate that decided they want to sell all your furniture on eBay while you were gone. <clears throat> that could happen. It's happened before. Um, and, and so when you get back, the roommate's gone, all your stuff's gone, and you file a police report. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean. Well, I've got a relatively new house, and I just got a report last week. I got to replace an air conditioner. The yeah. whole unit, the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know why you want to do all that right now. I, I think there's a plenty of time, as young as you are, to own a piece of real estate. I would wait at least 12 months, maybe 24 months. And if you're home four days a month, rent the Ritz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Go to the nicest hotel in it's, Atlanta. It's, just yeah, live go there. to the Ritz Buckhead. It's a nice property. I've stayed there. And just, okay. just yeah. for four nights... Your life will be so much better. People will, like, bring food to your door and stuff, and they'll even come in your room and set it up, and you don't have to go buy food. They'll wash your towels. It's called room service, and you don't have to change the beds. <laughs> I mean, it's an ama- that's what I would do and just have a really nice, efficient life and let my energy be spent, my spiritual, emotional, physical energy be spent on something other than home ownership for four days a month. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank but you. The, but I'm okay now. Long term, I do want you to buy. So let's let's mm-hmm. set a goal. Twenty five years old, you buy, because I think okay. your life will change. I don't think you want to do this indefinitely. This gypsy thing. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be. I mean, that, that, like this is not conducive to family life, right? No, definitely not. It's it's very much you're living like a nomadic life. Yeah, so. yeah, and it, it's kind of cool. You're getting to see a lot of stuff. You're a young guy. It's kind of a you know, little, uh, uh, yeah, like you said, nomadic. That's all cool. All, all that's kind of fun. I would do it. I'd definitely do it if I was your age and single. I think it's oh, kind of cool. All day long, yeah. You get to see a lot of cities, and America's got some wonderful cities. You get to see some cities that aren't wonderful that are out there, too. But if and you do this for two years, you're going to blink. And you're gonna, you, you could have $250,000 in cash Yeah, just sitting there. Just keep piling up some money and then just go buy you a house. But I, not for four days a month. No. I wouldn't. I like real estate, but it is not – it is – the un the thing that nobody talks about with rental real estate or personal residences, either one, is they break. Yeah, and you have to have people come over and fix crap, you know, and or fix it yourself with your little YouTube video or whatever it is you're doing. But oh my gosh, and, and on and and there's entire portions of my life have been used up on broken stuff <laughs> around real estate, you know, that you don't have to have if on the short term, right. if you're in his situation. So I, I like to have my, all my life back, my bandwidth back to do like fun stuff or whatever. Really. Or the four days you're home, just relax. Yeah. And just have no hassle. Have some peace. Yeah. No hassle. No hassle. No hassle. No hassle. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. It's, it's fun to have no hassle. Nathan's with us in Pensacola. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Uh, long-time listener. I appreciate your show and uh, definitely live by almost all the advice you have. Well, thank you. How can I help? Um, so um, <laughs> my wife and I um, are uh, looking at possibly buying a property. It's a little bit more expensive than what I'm used to buying. So um, right now we own a home, and uh, we're just trying to figure out uh, if it makes sense to uh, take our, our current investments and just basically liquidate our current investments and then now uh, go into debt with a mortgage um, that would be probably about a 
$300,000 mortgage after we're done with liquidating all of our expenses, all of our debt. I mean, I'm sorry, all of our uh, assets. Does okay. How old are you? Uh, we're 47, 47 and 46. Wait, all of your assets? You mean you're pulling retirement out? No, no, no. Um, the retirement I can't touch until uh, later. But we've got um, uh, listening to you guys, uh, like, uh, smart investor kind of stuff, and uh, we we went with uh, a smart investor pro here in Pensacola. So, so got, you have uh, how much money in investments that are non-retirement? Um, probably about uh, six hundred k total. Okay, and your current residence has how much equity in it? About four hundred. Okay. So you're buying a million three house? It's going to be a little bit less than a million three, but it'll be uh, a little over a million. Okay. I missed how you get $300,000 in debt because I got a million dollars here, 600 and 400. So I guess uh, it, the mortgage might not be quite 300 then. Um, it'll be probably closer to 200 when we uh, when you have all the closing costs and everything into it. Okay, so you're talking about you're not going to net 400 out of your house. No, we should. We should net 400 out of the house. And you have 600 in investments. And savings and everything, yes. That's a million, and the house is a million. There's not $200,000 in closing costs. There's not a 20% closing cost. There's no such thing. So I guess it's just kind of an uneasy feeling going with a, a higher uh, home value. And just, I guess the biggest that I have is, does it make sense to liquidate the uh, the investments that we have right now? I wouldn't buy the house if I didn't because you're, you're going to go into debt. So the, it's the same question of if I had a paid $4 million house, would I go borrow 600000 on it to put money into investments? No, I wouldn't. Not taking the money out of the investments and putting them on the house is the same thing as borrowing on your house to do that. So you should not buy the house unless you're willing to use the investments to do it. What's your household income? Uh, right now it's probably about 110. And how old are you guys? 48 and 46. Okay. Will you be able to afford the taxes on a million-dollar property at a, with $100,000 a year just to, just to maintain the property, keep the lights on this thing? Keep the yard mode? Uh, uh, yes, we will. Yeah, um, Florida's got some generous um, disabled veterans uh, tax benefits. Okay. So why, why do you want to buy a million-dollar property? It's, it's something my wife and I have always dreamed about living on the water, and uh, this is an opportunity to do so right now. Okay. I don't think you're going to need a mortgage, or if you do, it's a very, very small one, and you're going to turn around and get that paid off as fast as you can. If you're sitting in this property debt-free uh, within a couple of years, then I'm fine with this idea if you want to do it. Um, it, it the, the thing that's out of balance that you're feeling is is that um, the vast majority of your net worth is now tied up in your single-family home that does, not, that does not generate an income. It does grow in value but it does not generate an income. And so, um, you know, you're going to have to really pour on the coals and, and build some investments by the fact that you don't have any house payment in the near future uh, to make this work. But, no, you don't need a $300,000 mortgage. The numbers you keep giving me, that you act like they add up, and they don't add up. I mean, 600 and 400 is $1 million, and you buy a million-dollar house for a million dollars, and you use a million dollars, you shouldn't have a mortgage. Uh, and so... 
Something about or, this makes me uncomfortable. Like, it makes me uneasy. That's a lot of... The reason is, is that place. all, everything you own is going into this house, yeah. except your retirement. Well, and uh, it, it, it is, it's out of balance. It's too much, really. Yeah. Uh, but if you're paying cash for it, I think you can tolerate it as long as you turn around and start dumping money into retirement really, really quick. Uh, would I do this if I were in your shoes? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Maybe that's what I wouldn't either. Because I don't want that much of my net worth making $110,000 tied up in a single-family house that does not create income. And I'm thinking of it, if the air conditioner goes out on this million-dollar house, it's going to be an expensive repair. Or if the driveway needs to be, or if i got to do some plumbing well, work on a million dollars, it's all so expensive. Everything, let me just, 100% of the houses break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% of them need crap done to them. And um, brand-new no matter who built them, no matter where they are, I mean, I'm in a lot of real estate, and there's just uh, they they eat money. Yeah. So you're to your point, that's good. Yeah, I think I, I you know the more I sit there and talk this through, listening to John too, I'm risk averse though. So let me say that a no, lot. But I mean, I, I there's just no margin here. There's no there's no wiggle. Yeah, I keep coming back to margin. There's Something's no wiggle. There's no life. wiggle room. What if you get sick? Or if, what if, if you get something? If life goes sideways, yeah. and right now you got a lot of wiggle room with six hundred thousand in the bank. So probably what I would do is take your six hundred and pay off your current residence, uh, which you should have done anyway if you're listening to me. But that's that part where you said you just did part of what I teach. I remember <laughs> that part. I didn't drive by it. I heard it. And um, then, then I would save like a crazy person, and I might do this deal in five years where I've got five hundred thousand left over. Hmm. After I buy it, now that start. If you had five hundred thousand left over non-retirement after you move in there, you do a million dollar house. Hundred and ten thousand incomes is is low for a million dollar house. But if you're paying cash for it for whatever reason, it's okay. But you do need some liquidity, and it doesn't need to be freaking ninety percent of your net worth. Right. That's just that's out of balance. Or can you yeah. save up some money and and go multiple weeks? And stay at a lake house a year, and I mean, yeah. you I, mean get the I, fix, I don't even but... mind if you buy. You know, if your dreams live on the water, I agree. I like live on the water. I've yeah. got I've got properties on the water. I like it, but um, water water's amazing. Yeah, but the uh, but but it's not amazing if it steals your peace instead of gives you there peace. You go. Yeah. So and there's no margin here. No margin. It's dangerous. That's a dangerous deal. No, I wouldn't do it. I'm a, I'm gonna retract. I wouldn't do it because I don't like the fact there's no wiggle room. What I would do is I pay off my house today. And I'd start saving like a crazy person and make this a three to a five year dream and just keep piling up cash and keep investing with a paid for house. But you're going to do what you're going to do because you already don't do some of the stuff we teach. So yeah. that's up to you. You get to decide. But that, that's that's what I would do if I woke up in your shoes. Um, I find people do, don't have margin with their time. They don't have it with their relationships. They don't have it with work. They don't have it with money. We just have a margin-free society now, man. Well, they just it it um there's friction. It grates. They get frayed ends. Yeah, and you get frayed at the ends, and it's just um because everything's pushed to the edge, yep. and it, and it takes what would have normally been a blessing, and and you you know you add two doses of stress to it, and all of a sudden you don't the thing you were supposed to be in love with you hate. And we, when you think of it uh, psychologically, our brains were designed to to run at that level when a lion was chasing us. Not to live like that. Yeah, not to, it just yeah. rattles everything to our core. You know? <laughs> it's a big old house with a lion chasing you around inside that. You just parked a lion in the front yard. Yeah, that's right. So we've already deteriorated Tiger King right here. <laughs> Kurt is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hi, Kurt. How are you? 
Hey, Dave, how you doing? Better than I deserve, man. What's up? How you doing? Um, I'm 25. I'm not filled with my job, and I'd like to move out of my parents' house. Um, potentially looking up north, but I have about fifty thousand in investments and ninety thousand in my savings, and I'm blessed to have no debt. Um, should I move with the current housing market situation, or should I wait? And if I should wait, should I move some of that savings money into investment, make some money while I'm waiting? Well, um, the housing market is, as you mentioned, is white hot in terms of buying a home. Uh, some areas, the rental market is also closed up, and it's very difficult to uh, find a rental. Uh, and so rental prices are going up as fast as real estate prices are, which there should be a correlation between the two. That makes sense. Um, so uh, uh, you have done a wonderful job saving money, sir. Well done. You I'm save all this money, or did somebody give it to you? Um, I'd say... About half, maybe a little less than half, is an inheritance from my uncle. The rest is all just me saving. Um, my my father and my mother, since I was young, have always told me, you know, spend half, save half. And I just was never really a big spender, so I saved more than half at that point. Um, wow! And so I've just been saving uh, for. I've been working since I was, you know, sixteen. So I've been saving for a while now, and I'm just. I've always been looking forward to buying a house, and I just was feeling now was the right time. But with this housing market, I'm just. Uh, it's kind of shut yeah. down my house. You said you might move up say. north. What are you going to do for a living when you move? Well, I'd stay within the same industry, but right now um, I'd probably go more into analytics. That's what I, I like to do. Right now I do um, more risk management. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kurt. So, you know, get into more analytical so I'm glad we've identified this because moving up north, I think you had in mind uh, there's some companies or a company or a specific job, and I think that's the part we want to work on first is you're not happy in your job. And so you know the good news is you're clear. You know what you want to do. You have a good idea of the analytics is where you want to go. I think I'd determine that. Where's a good place to land there? Then I'd make my housing decision based on that. Okay. So do you have a good idea of some companies or do you have something when you say move north are you just thinking an area or are you thinking company that's pulling you north? Um I was thinking more just Orlando or Jacksonville because I have a uh, current social networks there um that would you know and finding a job there's obviously a lot of within my industry there's a lot in Orlando and Jacksonville so I was looking there just to kind of get away from where I was where I've currently been where I've lived all my life you know Sure well, that's really good strategy. So, Kurt, I, I think you now you need to take some action steps. And so I, I would begin, if you haven't already, you, you obviously have the social networks there. I would actually begin to engage those social networks around those companies. You identified both friends, connections, and uh, several companies that are in your industry, or at least you know that it's pretty hot there. I'd start making those connections. I'm going to give you a copy of my number one best-selling book, The Proximity Principle, which actually walks you through step-by-step how to make those connections, who specifically you're looking at. Because I think if you get really serious about that, Kurt, right now you're in great shape financially. Let's find those opportunities. Let's go ahead and get interviews. Let's land the gig. And I think the housing decision uh, will take care of itself because you've been very smart with your money. But let's land uh, a job and then let's make a housing decision as a part of that. Yeah, here's what I I, I will just add to that. Let's take the, I'll take the back end of that strategy. So start working the social networks. You're only a few hours from those towns. Mm-hmm. Um, get the job landed. Then go rent an apartment for six months. Then during that six months, start looking for property. Don't overpay. You, there's no reason for you to have house fever. You can take your time. 
And if the market's white hot and you have to dramatically overpay to get a house, then that's God saying don't buy a house right now. Just wait. Blake is with us. Blake is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Blake. How are you? Hey, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Been waiting on you to say that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I have a question. Um, my wife and I uh, have wanted to build a house, and um, every builder that we speak with uh, has quoted us way over budget. Um, so uh, it seems that prices to build are continuing to go up. And so we have started to look at existing homes, um, but those are also very expensive. Um, we're currently renting a uh, two-bedroom single-wide trailer, and we have two children. Um, so we're just kind of uh, we're kind of stuck. We, we could, um, you know, pick a smaller house plan, um, but, you know, right now I, I don't think we would want to go much smaller than what we've already chosen. So I'm just wondering if you think we should wait it out. Should we be looking at other homes? Um, just wanted to get your advice. Okay. And you're debt-free, and you have your emergency fund plus a down payment. Yes, sir. Good. So you're ready to go. Well, I would continue to look. This is your first home purchase, I take it. Uh, we actually sold our first home um, in August and, uh, you know, with hopes to do this. And so when we sold, we moved into this rental house. So this oh, will be our second home. Okay. All right. Well, in general, here's a couple of things to take into the formula. Okay. Number one, uh, generally speaking, with rare exceptions, used housing is less expensive than new. Okay. Uh, new is usually the, the top line bar of how we set values in residential real estate. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to get more bang for your buck with a used house in general. And if you're having trouble making something fit your budget, then that's going to be part of your answer for sure. The second thing you've got is uh, we are in a very, very, very unique time right now. Uh, with the lumber factories being shut down during COVID, there became a huge shortage of lumber, and lumber prices have gone up exponentially in the last little while. And the primary, the largest cost item on your P&L or on your project list as you're building a home is lumber. And so uh, we're even seeing builders in some areas uh, not agree to lock in the price. Like, we'll bid you a house for X, but if lumber goes up more, we're going to have an escalation clause in that contract. I'm hearing stuff like that happening out there. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, which I would not sign up for that, by the way. Okay. Steel is doing the same thing. I got a huge price increase on a building I'm building next door. Our uh, conference center that we're putting up that we're breaking ground on next month. Um, we just got the prices in and we've had a huge increase on the steel. Steel's done exactly the same thing. So uh, the, the, these unbelievable high increases in prices on lumber and steel are temporary. Uh, but will they ever come all the way back down to where they were? I don't know. But it's a simple supply-demand thing that there was just not any, and everybody was chasing what few was there. And so when the supply dries up and there's high demand, it always drives price up. That's seventh-grade economics. And so that's what you're facing on the new home-building side. It's, it's uh, one of the toughest times in decades to build a new home right now because of uh, escalating prices on 
uh, on di- all kinds of different things. And there's this huge influx of people back into the real estate market. There's a shortage of inventory in the real estate market across the nation. To give you an idea, February to February, February of 19 to February of 20, real estate went up 3.9% nationwide in value. From February of 20 to February of 21, it went up 14.9%. Wow. And so that's, that's, that's used housing. But part of that is that riding the cap of the shortage of inventory and the shortage of the lumber driving these lumber prices up. So if I'm in your shoes, I'm not going to ride it out. Now, I'm going to probably go ahead and buy a used house. I'm probably going to park my plans to build uh, until some of the smoke clears on this craziness that's out there. Let this market balance back out a little bit. You'll be able to get better attention from a builder, and you'll be able to get a, a, a more predictable, reasonable price. And that might be three years. But uh, in the meantime, I don't want you in that trailer. I'd be, I'd be buying something. That'd be my plan. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. It's a crazy time. This stuff is white hot out there. It really is. But, you know, there are some opportunities. You know, I was reading a story recently of the Wall Street Journal of how a lot of young couples are moving out of urban areas and into suburbia, and they're buying older homes that are still a good value. But yeah. they're, what they're doing is is they're taking their cash, mm-hmm. and they're putting the cash into reno. So, again, we speak, we preach cash mm-hmm. on this. But into I mean, renovation. Yeah, yeah, but if you can renovate it and, and kind of make it more valuable, make it livable, if it's livable to begin with, you know, they got two little girls here. Yeah. So depending on how short he is, they had planned to sell and then buy, you know, just keep saving and get pretty close. But I would go the used route, too. I agree with that just because you can't go wrong there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're either way, whatever you do, you need to be in the ownership role because it's going to go up. It's right. I mean, a four, a 15, 14.9, 15% increase in real estate prices in one year. I haven't, seen that, I haven't seen that since the 70s yeah. when we had double-digit inflation, Right. and real estate was a big part of that. When I got in the real estate business in 1978, they taught us when we're doing a, a comparative market analysis, doing an appraisal, that for every month that the comp was old, add 1% for increase in value. Mm-hmm. So if it was a four-month-old wow. comp, you'd add 4%. That's a 12% annualized. Wow. And, uh, of course, that's not happened in decades. And do you see it being how, – how I, I think it's temporary. Yeah, because we're seeing this because it's co- of it's new COVID. home building. I mean, it's all this it's supply demand. It was right. just this pent-up demand. Everybody's sitting around looking at their house going, I hate this place. Yeah. And they hadn't spent that much time at home before. Right. <laughs> and but, so they, they put it on the market, sold it, and, and there's just a shortage. Is it also because new home builds have slowed down, so once they speed back up, now yep. inventory increases yep. and then pricing drops? Yep, because you couldn't get lumber. Are you worried about a housing bubble? No. Why? No. Uh, but because there's a shortage of inventory that will balance out. Yeah. This is not... Um, this is natural supply demand is what exactly. you're saying. It's not some false... It's, it's not just a froth. It's not a, uh, a right. hyper-crazy people going nuts okay. just for the sake of going nuts. Lisa is with us in Spokane, Washington, to start off this hour. Hey, Lisa, what's up? Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Um, So here's the deal. My husband and I were in the process of building a house. We actually had the foundation go in last fall with construction due to resume this spring. And then we found out last week um, that our construction budget went up 40%. So We've been on this financial plan to do this really intelligently, and now it's just gone off the rails, so we're going to put that on hold um, due to COVID. And I have this 
big chunk of money sitting in our savings account waiting to pay for this home that now we're going, it's not working for us, right? It's making what? 1% in our savings account. So we'd love to get your advice to have some thoughts on whether to just park it in a savings account. We have a rental property that um, we owe some money on. We had sold our primary home and I'm renting a home right now. Um, just could use some direction. Why'd you stop building last fall? So it's we're building on in a mountain environment up at a ski resort and Oh you have to. Weather. Exactly. So we put in but the But you didn't have you didn't have your materials and all locked down by contract? So we didn't. I feel a little bit let down by our contractor, honestly, but we did not. No. So we just found out literally last week he told us. He gave oh. he gave us a revised That's the difference in you sweet week. people and me. I wouldn't be a little bit let down. I'd be pissed off, like 40% pissed off. That was yeah. his job to lock this up. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. I'm working with a contractor right now building a building or anticipating a building we're breaking ground on in two weeks, and I've been wearing them out about locking in everything because you can, cause of the same stuff you're facing. These, these shortages on materials have gone through the roof, caused prices to yeah. go through the roof. We're going to see inflation come back, I'm afraid, because of it. Hi. So, how long do you do? You, what is your guess on okay. when you actually do build? Wait. Do you think that it will go back down? I mean, you don't know, right? I know. Well, yeah, I don't know. Economists and weather forecasters are the only people that can be wrong and keep their jobs. <laughs> okay. Oh, and, and wait a minute. So Medical is, doctors predicting virus infection rates, but um, oh, there he did. He went. And they, did can, it. they can be wrong and keep their jobs too. But um, uh, but anyway, the uh. uh I don't know. I, 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 I do know. I, I am pretty sure you're going to see something come back down. There's a reason that steel and wood and lumber and now plywood right behind it are going through the roof, as I understand it from the people we're working with in the business, because I've got several construction projects underway myself. And uh, plywood is actually glue. There's a glue shortage and that makes the plywood with. And so we're going to see plywood probably triple in the next 90 days is what I'm hearing. Um, and it's already high. Lumber packages are, it's the factories were shut down and they were not producing uh, inventory supply at the rate, even at the rate that it was going. It's not like there was this huge building spike and the factories were operating at normal. They weren't operating at all. And then on top of that, there was a good sized spike in building. So as the spike slows down and the factories get back to capacity, supply-demand curve is going to drop these prices down. Steel is not going to stay where it is, uh, not, mm -hmm. not, for, not for five years. It might for 24 months, though. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know on that. But um, so, it, it, so the answer to your question is, how long do you think you're parking the money? The longer you're going to park the money, the more you're going to want to put some of it into something like an index fund and take a little bit of risk with it to get a little bit more money. So it could be two to three years. Okay, so you, you're you thinking. I would love it if it you, wasn't. You emotionally are prepared for a two-year storm. Okay, I don't know that you're wrong on that. Um, okay. So I'm uh, curious, Dave. How much do you owe on the rental property? Okay, so we owe one hundred three on the property, and I have one hundred and eighty thousand sitting in the savings account. Okay, when you get ready to build, would you be willing to sell the rental if you had paid it off and needed the money? If I need to, we definitely would do that, yeah, because, yeah, 
I mean, that's, I I mean, that's one place. That's, that's a really safe place to get a three or four percent rate of return on that hundred grand. Pay that mortgage off. Okay. Ken's got a point. That's where he's going. I jumped the gun, but yeah, that, that's what you were thinking. How much money is in savings for this building project? So I have a uh, hundred and eighty in savings, and we already have. You know, we own the land outright, and we have no debt on the foundation is in and done. So we already have. You know, a hundred thousand. Oh, uh, parked over there in concrete right now, but that's that's exactly. neither here nor there. You're not going to tear that down. So, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you could either do one of three things or some mix of them: pay off the home, the the rental, and then be willing to sell it when you gear back up because you're going to need the cash back out of it. I'm not going to turn around and borrow back on it uh, if you do that. That's kind of a point of no return on that. The second thing is you could park some in an index fund. Index funds are going to follow the market, whatever it does. Uh, I mean, you could lose. 10% of what you put in there over a two-year period of time, it'd be highly unusual. The number of times a two-year period in the stock market's history is down 10%, it's so like 2% of the time or something. It almost never happens, but it could. Mm-hmm. I park stuff for short-term like that. If I can afford to lose the spread, lose 5 or 10% on it uh, in an index fund, and you might make 10% instead of 1% on that portion. And then some of it you park in just cash, and that's your safety bellwether. Mm-hmm. So I, okay. I probably wouldn't do the rental and the index fund. I'd do one or the other and leave the yeah. other half in just cash. Yeah. Okay. So you got ha- half of it real safe. Half of it's either in that rental and into the in- or into the index fund, that kind of thing. Hey, thanks for the call. All right, gang. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. We'd love to know your thoughts. And if you want more best of content like this, send your feedback to ask at RamseySolutions.com.